We're continuing on in our series, Union with Christ, which we've said is the key to knowing and enjoying God. Um, It's based on Rankin-Wilborn's book, Union with Christ. We've been covering a lot of ground so far. We've said Christianity is not a religious fill-in-the-blank checklist. That's the word I've been using. It's not a, oh, I've done this, I've done this, therefore I'm good. It is living union with the God of love. Um, Through union with Him, God is restoring His image in you. You are like Michelangelo's Pieta, a masterpiece being restored to the full beauty He's made you to be. Last week, we came to the vegetable portion of the feast. We we explored holiness, and holiness is kind of, um, I said holiness is the call to become who you already are. And this week, we're going to get more practical. How do these heavenly realities we've been discussing, how do they actually take root in our earthly lives? What difference does union with Christ make to my life on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock? Now, anyone who's tried to kick a bad habit knows that it's hard. Why? Um, In Tim Keller's words, he says, trying to change your character is like trying to walk up a down escalator. You know, you light a firework, and it explodes with energy, and then it dies. You leave fruit on the countertop, and eventually it rots. You leave laundry undone for a while, and it begins to stink. Uh, This is the down escalator. Without working hard to counteract its pull, life tends towards a kind of decay. And that's true of our characters as well, our character as well. Without working hard to counteract its pull, we tend towards decay. So, what is character? I think a simple definition of character, maybe you've heard before, is character is who you are when no one is looking. Um, Are you honest when no one is looking? Are you kind when no one is looking? Are you pure? Are you peaceful? Are you holy? Last week we said that God calls us to be holy, and then the emphasis was really placed on how in Christ we already are. We've already climbed the summit, right? We're safe and secure in His love. This week we zoom in on what is our part. What is our part really to do? So if last week was the broccoli of the feast, this week is the Brussels sprouts. Um, Any of you like one of those weirdos? I mean, with enough, yes, big time, okay. With enough doctoring, they're fine. A lot of bacon, you know. Um... But this is going to be a challenging sermon in some ways. Um, But I hope in the end you experience it as good news. God's call is to be holy. His call is to bear good fruit. Spiritual fruitfulness is defined in Galatians 5 like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So when no one is looking, how loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good, self-controlled are you? Maybe you're hitting 9 out of 9. Maybe you're getting a great score. Maybe you're 0 out of 9. Maybe like me, you need like a pre-coffee and a post-coffee score. You need a hangry versus a well-fed score. A post-sleepless night versus a post-restful nap score. Um, When no one is looking, what is your character like? What what fruits might you kind of circle and mark needs improvement? Um, Since becoming a father, I've been particularly surprised and humbled and maybe embarrassed, disappointed how accessible anger is for me. Just why does my inability to control my children make me lose my mind and make me go from zero to ten just like that? How do I grow more patient? How do I grow more peaceful and more gentle? How does my character change? Let's look at all this in three movements. Let's look at why we grow and how we can grow and the seasons of growth. So first, why can we grow at all? 
Left unattended, character does not improve, right? It, it goes down the down escalator. The idealism of, of the young, maybe we, were all, we had a great idealism growing up when we were young, and then kind of as we age, we become more cynical. Or a penchant for harboring kind of small grudges and, 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 and unforgiveness in slight ways becomes a sustained and deeply ingrained habit of bitterness as we get older. Or perhaps small insecurities over our popularity or our appearance when we're in middle school grows into and blossoms into a form of deep self-hatred or self-harm or worse. Or perhaps just uncharacteristic and casual dabbling in something blossoms into an addiction that controls our life. The down escalator. Left unattended, we don't grow. We don't bear fruit. No one coasts towards holiness. But the opposite is also true. We can't will ourselves into holiness either. We've probably tried. Um, we can't just decide we're going to be holy and then be holy. It doesn't work that way. So it seems impossible. We can't coast into fruit bearing. and We can't really will ourselves into fruit bearing. So how can we grow at all? John fifteen five. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What happens to a branch without a vine? It decays. It dies. You are a branch. You do not have the power to grow by yourself. You need a vine. Ah, but there is a vine. When Jesus says, I am the vine, in the last of seven I am statements in John's gospel, um, real quickly, chapter 6, I am the bread of life, he says. Chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Chapter 10, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then chapter here, 15, I am the true vine. In these seven I am statements, Jesus is making a remarkable claim. He's claiming to be God of the universe. Because in Exodus 3, when Moses asked Yahweh his name, what does Yahweh say? What does God say? I am who I am. He's the great I am. So in saying, I am, I am, I am, seven times, Jesus is claiming to be the creative source of all life, God himself. And additionally, in saying, I am the vine, he's claiming to be Israel. As we read in the psalm this morning, in old, the Old Testament, Israel is God's vine, meant to produce fruit that blesses the world, that becomes, becomes unfruitful and is burned. So here's Jesus, the God of the universe, the true vine, commanding fruit from his people again, just as God always has. How is he commanding fruit from his people? Through abiding in the vine. Abiding. So you won't, cro you won't, you won't coast into fruitfulness. You won't will yourself into fruitfulness. What must you do? You are a branch and you need a vine. You need to put you need roots in the soil, but branches don't have roots, do they? You need a vine whose roots go deep into the soil, drawing the life and energy and power of God's own life. Because that's where Christ's roots are, in the life of God himself. John 14 puts it this way. Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So you can't will good fruit. You can't coast into good fruit. You abide your way into good fruit. So you can only grow when you're abiding in Christ. Now, this is a union that is, um, you know, the, the Bible's best analogy for it is a sexual union. It's a deep and intimate union. Here in Second Peter, it's put this way. God has given us these great promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. How do you escape the down escalator? That's the question. 
you participate in God's own nature by abiding in Christ. This means, by the way, just quick application before we get to the real application. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on people, on others. You are united with Christ. You have God's own life coursing through your veins. You can change. You can bear fruit. And so can the person that you might be wanting to give up on. So can they through abiding with Christ. So why can you grow? Union with Christ. But now let's get really just more practical. The point of the sermon is how. How do we abide with Christ? Well, we've said we abide by attaching ourselves to the vine, but Jesus gives us definition to how this actually looks. Very basically, to abide means to depend, and he says to abide in me, you must do two things. First, you have to allow God to prune you. God will prune you. That's not the focus this morning. Second, you have to abide. And then he gives two ways we abide, through remaining in his love and through remaining in his word. So we abide in Christ by remaining in his love and his word. Verse 9, as the fathers loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So as we look at what is ours to do in abiding, let's just, we got to remind ourselves, again, let's start here. In his seminal work, Communion with God, John Owen distinguishes between our union with Christ, which is fixed and unalterable, you're united with Christ, and our communion with God, which is affected by our decisions and by our response. So our union is secure, you are secure in the vice grip of God's love, okay? But our sense of communion with God is affected by the way we respond to this truth. As we respond to God with trust and obedience, our awareness of our communion with him deepens. But it's not the root of his love, it's the fruit of his love. Remember, he's the vine, you're the branch. Now remain in his love. So we have to be careful. It's easy to fall in the trap of like, does God really love me? And then we evaluate our performance. I've read my Bible X number of times, or I'm tithing X amount of money, or I'm, I'm doing such and such a thing, or you know, my emotions are... As one pastor put it, your heart is not the compass that Christ saileth by. Your heart is not the compass that Christ saileth by. So let these words be an assurance for you. As the Father has loved me, how does the Father love Jesus? As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Union with Christ means God's love for you will not rise or fall with your performance but your sense of communion with him absolutely will. You will not drift into deep communion with God. So as, what we, as we look at what is ours to do in abiding, just remember this again and again, you're not earning, to use a technical phrase, deadly squat. You're not earning anything. You're responding to his love that's freely given to you, okay? Second of all, we abide in his words, and this is the meat of the sermon. How do we abide in his words? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Christ says. Four ways. First, we abide in his word through meditation on Scripture. We're going to go back to the basics here. Eugene Peterson says meditation on God's word is like, is like what a dog does gnawing on a bone. You just gnaw it and you chew it until it gets into your bloodstream. Union with Christ changes how we approach Approach God's word, though, because if we are not united with Christ and Christ is just this distant teacher who said some wise things and kind of captured in the Bible, then we go and we study him and we think about him and do I agree or don't I agree? And that's how we approach God's word, really left, left brain. Right, Lisa? Is that left brain rational? Right. If you have any questions about brain science, Lisa's your guru. Um, excellent job yesterday at the healing journey, Lisa. Thank you. I want to clap, but we'll, we won't. Lisa spoke yesterday about... Um, forgiveness at the healing journey. Are those recorded, those talks? You do. Okay, so if you're curious to hear Lisa's talk on forgiveness, ask her. It's beautiful. 
So we tend to approach the Bible that way, left brain, thinking about it, analyzing it. But union with Christ means that when you come to his word, the Holy Spirit that inspired those words is alive in you. And so as you encounter his word, it's like encountering the burning bush, right? It's, it's encountering a real-time experience of communion with God. Christ is in you. The Bible becomes a burning bush out of which God is speaking to you. It's a living interaction, Now, I will tell you plainly what the scriptures and the spiritual masters in my own experience, and I know many of your own experience teaches, you will not, maybe use this instead, I feel like I'm cutting in and out here, Um, you will not grow and you will not bear fruit unless you regularly and deeply abide in God's word. So if you're wondering, why why am I not growing? Just, Just ask an honest question, am I abiding in his word? Am I gnawing on it like a dog does a bone? Because you won't grow without it, you won't. Your sense of communion with God will not deepen. Psalm 119 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Colossians 3, Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. So unless you plant yourself like a tree beside the stream of God's words, you will not bear fruit in season. Decay will win. If you abide only in your evening news of choice, or if you abide only in your blogs or influencers of choice, You are not going to coast into enemy love. You are not going to coast or will your way into tender-hearted forgiveness or radical peacemaking or radical generosity. Only abiding in the words of God will take you up the down escalator. Second, abiding in his word through prayer. Did you notice this puzzling promise Jesus makes in the second half of verse 7? He says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So what are we talking about here? Like, really? Like, whatever I wish? That feels dangerous to me. Um, Whatever here is conditioned, I think, by what follows in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So my suggestion is we read it this way. Jesus is saying, ask whatever good fruit that you wish for unto the Father's glory, and it will be given to you. So very simply, do you ask to bear fruit? Do you go to Galatians 5 and say, Jesus, without you in my life, I will never learn to be patient with my children. I will continue to lose my temper. I will continue not to show them your gentleness and your love. I need your help. Please give me the fruit of gentleness. You got to. You got to go to the Lord in prayer like that and just ask him for it. No relationship abides without communion. No communion with God deepens without prayer. If you desire to bear fruit, ask for it. Third, abide in his word through communion. I am the vine, Jesus' seventh I am statement. What was his first? I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Think about where Jesus is in John 15. It's the upper room discourse. The night of his betrayal before he's crucified. What happens that night? As Jesus is giving his I am the vine teaching, not long afterwards, he's taking the cup of the vine in his hands and saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. So Paul writes in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Communion does not merely remind us of what Christ taught and did. So we're sitting back from afar thinking about it. By it, we participate in Christ himself. This is a radical encounter 
with Christ. There is no more intimate, no more practical, no more assured way of abiding in Christ than to feast on him through the sacraments. It's the primary means of grace in our lives where the word is fed to us. Um, yesterday, the healing journey, Cindy's son, Nick Hamilton, who's a priest in, um, out east, he said, Jesus did not zoom into his creation. He became flesh. Likewise, you do not abide in Christ by zooming into church. In the same way as when you take the body and blood of Christ and you chew it and you drink it and you digest it. It sounds graphic, but like a dog chewing on a bone. In fact, sometimes the word used is, is just that. It's like a cow chewing the cud. So finally, abide in his word through community, through community, the church. Um, I'm going to keep it short here. The church of Christ is the place where the word of God is faithfully preached and the sacraments are duly administered. I'll let Augustine's words make the point and leave it at that. Augustine says, he cannot have God for his father who refuses to have the church for his mother. You cannot abide in Christ without the nurturing community of the church. You will cultivate communion with God by abiding in Christ. How? Abide in his love, abide in his words through meditation, prayer, and communion in the church. Great. If I do that, I'm good. I'm bearing fruit, right? Maybe. Um, There are seasons to growth. The last point I want to make. When we read that, Jesus says in verse 6, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch thrown away, and that withers, and it's picked up and thrown in the fire. We say, oh my goodness, if I don't produce fruit, I am cut off and burned. Well, two things to consider. First, I want to encourage you to take the long view, okay? Give it enough time, an acorn, something the size of a dime, becomes an oak tree. It can take 400 years, an oak tree, to become the size of a building. So as we look at our character and we ask, is our character growing? Sometimes growth is very slow. So I want to encourage you, don't look to yesterday or to last week, maybe not even to last month, It would be great if you see growth there. Awesome. But think about a decade ago. Think about 20 years ago. Are Are you a little kinder? Are you a little more gentle? Are you a little more patient? And if yes, then praise God. And if not, then return to this invitation. Are you abiding in his word? Are you abiding in prayer? Are you abiding in his church? Second, consider the seasons. Psalm 1 says this, a tree that a person who abides in God's word is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields fruit in season. Which yields fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. So if you're not bearing fruit, it may be simply because it's winter. There are seasons to the spiritual life. Not every season is springtime. So it's okay to have seasons where growth is happening underground. I planted some trees two years ago in my yard, or a year and a half ago, and they were supposed to grow three feet every year. It's part of why I planted them. I wanted a little bit of a barrier. And so far, they've grown like six inches. But I'm told that a lot of the growth is happening underground, right? Especially in the winter, the roots are going down deeper, looking for water. So, you may be in winter. Winter may be long, and that's okay. But in that winter, allow your roots to push down Throw yourself again and again on his words. Go to him in prayer. Continue with the sacraments. Continue investing in community. And eventually, the Lord will bring growth again. Why we can grow? Union with Christ. How we can grow? Abide in his love and his words and in his church. There are seasons to growth. There are rhythms of the spiritual life. As the old Oxford preacher Walter Meller summarized, 
the tension between what is God's to do and ours to do in the life of holiness, he said this, labor to be brought near. Labor to be brought near. Labor is an active thing. You have something to do to cultivate communion with God. But to be brought near, it's a passive thing. Done to God, to us by God. Sounds strangely like Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we're like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. But the next, very next line. For it is God who works in you. Be brought near. God has united himself to you. You are a branch. He is the vine. Abide in his love. Father, I pray you would draw each of us just a little more deeply into these truths. That you would help us to know what are some practical things we can do. Maybe some disciplines to try on. um, To cultivate our sense of communion with you. Draw us closer to you through your love. Help us to abide in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.